0: Well, this morning, if you are a guest, a newcomer who's joined us for worship, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. It may be that you're here to watch someone who's behind me. And if that's the case, all the better. We're we're so glad that you've come for the performance from our choir this morning. Also, let me just say for those who are guests, whether you're in the room or not, we'd love to have some information from you so that we can pray for you. And if you're looking for a church where you can, where you can worship, a church that you can make your home, we would love to connect with you. You can go to our website, fbcchickashay.org slash connect. If you've joined us this morning online or you're listening locally on our radio broadcast from Cool 105, for everyone in the room, you can use the digital version that I just described, or you can take the registration card located in the backs of the pews. You can fill that out, and later in the service today when we receive our offering, if you would drop that in the offering plate as it passes by. Well, as I've said already, you're in for a treat this morning, a program known as Come Behold Emmanuel. The sin-sick world needed saving. And though we tried and tried, we could not save ourselves. But God, in his infinite wisdom, provided a way. A way not mapped out by human hands, but divinely directed to change the course of history. Through his son Jesus, salvation made its way from the thrones of heaven to the throes of humanity. Arriving not in splendor, but in simplicity as a baby. This was not entirely what was expected, but it's exactly what was needed.
1: Behold the father's love, beyond all comprehension. He gave his only son to die in our place.
0: Through Jesus, all is accomplished. The words of the law and prophets fulfilled salvation has come to the lost sight for the blind healing for the sick death reversed and sin defeated for good so here and now at christmas we stand in awe and worship not to simply sing happy songs or exchange humble gifts but, but to remember why jesus was born for in his birth he set course to the cross and that cross casts an eternal light on the shadows of this world. Light that makes the darkness flee, the enemy retreat, and death itself reverse. We worship today because salvation is ours. Through Christ Jesus the baby, born to die, born to save the world, and overcome the grave.
1: Go and see that empty. He's not there for He is risen And peace for the weary heart. Lift up your heads, for your king has come. Sing, for the light overwhelms the dark. Glory shining for all.
2: Our
0: Aren't you grateful that Jesus, the light of the world, has come so that we may no longer be enslaved by the darkness? Let's let them know one more time what a fantastic job they did. So good. So good. And a special, a special shout out, a word of thanks to our very own Becky Talley, who did a fantastic job (laughs) directing. She helped make that vision come to life, and it was fantastic. You all did an awesome job leading us in worship this morning. Well, now I need to give them a minute to exit the stage before I dismiss our Kids for Kids crew. So we're going to give you a chance to do that. While they're doing that, let me just share with you, we will be in Titus chapter 3 this morning. We're still going to preach, and, and, uh, and, and we're going to get in the Word together and, and truly hear, I think, the, the message of the gospel. There's no better way to hear the gospel, I think, than the way we just heard it as they proclaimed it through us for us, rather, through song. But this morning, we also want to go to the Scripture and hear from Titus chapter 3. So I'm giving you a minute to turn there. This year, we've been reading through the Bible together, and each week, we're taking a text from that week's reading, and we're using that as our, our place of study for both Sundays and Wednesday nights for the midweek Bible study that I lead on Wednesdays. And of course, when we gather in this place together on Sundays this week, you can tell we're drawing near, if you've been reading along, we're drawing near the end of the Bible. So kudos to those who've been reading and following and keeping up with us all along we will finish in a matter of the next two weeks, we will finish our way through the Scripture for the year, and I'm excited for that. Well, I want to also take a moment now to dismiss our children who are fourth grade and under, along with our adults, to make their way upstairs for kids' crew, for our kids' crew worship time this morning. And while they're making their way upstairs, let me tell you about a few things that are coming. Next Sunday will be Christmas Eve. And this year... We will gather together on Christmas Eve in the morning for our Sunday morning worship time. We've adjusted the time. Whereas normally worship is 1030 on Sunday mornings. Next Sunday we will gather at 10 o'clock. We do this when Christmas happens to fall or Christmas Eve happens to fall on a Sunday. So we will gather at 10 o'clock next Sunday morning. We will have what we describe as family-style worship. And what that means is we'll all be together in the room. There won't be child care. It will just be all of us together in the room worshiping together for the service that morning. The service itself will be less than an hour as we will gather, we'll worship, we'll sing some favorite Christmas songs together, we'll study the Word together, and then that evening, as is our tradition on Christmas Eve at 7 p.m., We'll gather together again for our annual Christmas Eve candlelight service in this room. A time where we sing together, we light and and, and go through the the weeks of Advent with the Advent candles together. And also, we have a special kids story that we will read. Just a great evening, one of my favorite traditions that we have each year. So our Christmas Eve morning service at 10 o'clock, family style. Then evening, 7 o'clock. Christmas Eve candlelight. We hope that you'll make plans to be with us next Sunday as we worship together on Christmas Eve. Titus chapter 3 this morning. I'm going to dig right into the text because for the sake of time, I want to get us into the words so we have as much time as we can to really consider the 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 message of the gospel that is printed. One of the things I love is as you read through the Bible, you see that the gospel shows up page after page. Oftentimes, we think of the gospel as being the message in the gospels, what we refer to as the gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and yet in reality, the message of the gospel, the message of the good news of Christ's love for us and his payment for our sins shows up page after page of Scripture. And so here we are in this this book of Titus. Titus was a letter written by Paul to a leader in a church whose name was Titus, and so sometimes we refer to Titus and the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy as the pastoral epistles. That's a mouthful. That just means letters that were written to pastors, and so as a pastor, as a leader of a local congregation, Paul writes this to Titus, encouraging him that he is to lead and he is to encourage his church with these things. And so we find the message of the gospel here in Paul's letter to Titus. Titus chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us What a wonderful, what a blessed truth this is, that we become heirs together with Christ through trusting in him, through placing our faith and our trust in him. Paul says here to Titus, he says, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, I want you to think about for a moment, when when was it that Paul is referring to, what moment specifically in time, if we were to point to a, a moment, an event in time, might we say, this is what Paul is writing about, this is what he's talking about, when the goodness and the loving kindness of God appeared. Of course, we would say, that's Jesus. That Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, be, that God became flesh, he was fully human, yet fully divine, and in his humanity, he lived as one of us. a sinless, perfect life. This is when the goodness and loving kindness of God appeared, is when Jesus was born, when Jesus was born. And it was through Jesus' death and his resurrection, the power of his resurrection, that he conquered sin and death for good, so that, as it says in verse 5, he would save us not because of righteousness that we've done. And so I want us to consider together this morning about this moment when Jesus appeared. In fact, in the Greek language, the word appeared is a word that when I say it, it's going to sound very familiar to you. The Greek word used here for appeared is the word epiphany. You've heard that word before, right? You've heard of an epiphany. Uh, you have an epiphany when you're trying to think of something, and it's like the light bulb comes on. the The thought op- occurs to you. It's like the thing that you are trying to find it it appears in your in your head. You re, you bring it to mind, right? That's an epiphany. It's a it's a it's a revelation of sorts. When you when you well, that's exactly what Paul is describing here. The moment. When through Jesus' appearance into human history in a physical, in a bodily form, the course of history was changed forever through the work of Jesus. And I want us to see three things this morning that we can, that we can know for certain because of Jesus. Because Jesus has appeared we can know for sure that salvation is ours. As he says in verse five, he saved us. So first of all, this morning, I want you to consider that salvation is ours because Jesus appeared as Savior. Now, that may seem, based on what the text, that may seem rather, rather evident, rather obvious. And yet, consider for a moment the miraculous, the marvelous, the unmatched, the unmatched wonder of God becoming one of us. The creator of the world, the sustainer of all things who willingly set aside his rights as God and took on human flesh, who lived with the, the limitations, the constraints of a physical form who did so in a a manner that we truly describe as sinless, perfect, and yet he also offered himself for us on the cross as payment for our sin because Jesus appeared. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah speaks numerous times different Prophecies. And in fact, throughout the Old Testament, especially in the writings of the prophets, we read about these, these uh, prophecies, these foreshadowings, these, these, these tellings of the coming of a Messiah. But especially we see in the book of Isaiah. You can go to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, for example, and it speaks of one who would become Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. He fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecies. In him, we find the fulfillment of everything that God has promised so that Paul would later rightly write that all of God's promises find their yes in Jesus. Because Jesus appeared as Savior, salvation is ours. Secondly, though, we see in this text that salvation is ours because of God's rich mercy and not our righteous merit. What do I mean by that? God's rich mercy and not our righteous merit. Well, again, I'll point to what Paul shared with Titus here. Consider these words, that he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. In other words, God saved us, not because we deserved it, not because we earned it, not because of our merit, which is to say the things that we have worked for or deserved, but rather because of his mercy. God understood that there was no way for us to ransom and redeem ourselves from sin. So he willingly laid down his life. One of the questions that often gets asked, especially at this time of year, is why this plan? Why this gospel? Why this method of providing a way for us to be forgiven and set free? And the answer, though simple, the answer that we need to understand is because God in his goodness, God in his, in his perfect, infinite knowledge understood that there was no greater way for him to receive glory than to offer himself as a living sacrifice, a payment to purchase our forgiveness. And so that's exactly what Jesus did. He offered his life as payment for your sin, for my sin, because of his rich mercy. I love the way that Paul refers to this again in a different passage. You could go to Ephesians. If you were to turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and read in verse 7, verse 6 7 in Ephesians chapter 2, you would read about God's rich mercy. That's the wording that's used there. His rich mercy which is to say that God is overflowing with mercy. His his mercy is abundant and it's poured out graciously on us through faith in Jesus when we believe in him. Not your righteous merit, not the good that you've done, not the good that you hope to do, not the good that you meant to do, but rather the good that Jesus did on your behalf for you by offering his life. As payment for your sin. salvation is ours because of the rich mercy of God and not because of our righteous merit because our righteousness is never enough it's never righteous enough finally we see this salvation is ours in order that we might gain eternal life in order that we might gain eternal life which is exactly what he says in verse 7 So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, you know what an heir is, right? An heir is someone who has an inheritance. An heir is something who receives something that is given to them, that is passed on to them, you you might say. Perhaps you've been in a position at some point in your life to receive some form of an inheritance. Maybe maybe you've inherited something from parents, from a grandparent, from a, a, a family member, perhaps. When you receive that, it's not something that you have Worked. It's not something that you have, that you have uh, built a, a wealth or, or a thing that you have earned on your own, but rather something that someone else received and is given to you as a gift, as an inheritance. And what Paul is saying here is that our inheritance is eternal life what we receive, what we are heirs of is this hope of eternal life so that through faith in Jesus, not only are we forgiven of our sins, not only do we receive forgiveness and freedom in the here and now, but we also have this promise of eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Savior, that we will live forever with him Because of what Jesus has done for us. So that we can rightly trust and know for certain that salvation is ours in order that we might gain eternal life. There's one other word there that I've chosen very intentionally and it's the word gain. It's the word gain because all of this is for our good. All of this is something that we gain. It's something that is added to, that is given to us because of what Jesus has done for us. To be clear, apart from faith in Jesus, there is no way for you and I to inherit eternal life. There is no way for us to gain the fulfillment of this promise of our own doing, of our own good. It is only through faith in Jesus that we are forgiven, that we are set free from the guilt, the shame of our sin, given a new life through faith in Christ. And this brings us joy, which is why we lit the joy candle this morning, because we celebrate, because we rejoice in the salvation that has brought to us this promise of eternal life. I wonder, have you trusted in Jesus and received as a gift this rich mercy, this wonderful gift of eternal life given freely for all those who place their faith and their trust in Jesus as Savior? You might say, well, how do I do that? How do I even do that? Well, it happens when we humble ourselves before him and confess him, as Lord and Savior. Let me refer to, as a way of example, let me refer to the testimony that Gracie shared with us in her baptism this morning. I asked Gracie a question that I ask all those that we baptize. Have you trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, and do you confess Him as your Lord and Savior? Her answer, of course, was an enthusiastic <laughs> yes. Could your answer be the same. And enthusiastic, yes. I know for certain that I have this salvation, not because of works of righteousness that I have done, but because of the rich mercy shown to me by Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for my sin. Have you trusted in him, For the forgiveness of your sin. And do you confess him as your Lord and Savior? The Bible is clear. That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who turns to Jesus for salvation will find it. And they will gain eternal life through Christ Jesus as Lord. This morning, we want to extend to you the opportunity to trust Jesus for salvation. And so in a moment... We're going to move into a time of response what we refer to as the invitation and we call it that because the invitation that is being extended we're inviting you to respond to jesus in faith today and so if you're here and you know that there's never been a moment when you have called on jesus as lord and savior there's never been that moment when you have trusted him for the forgiveness of your sin and confessed him as lord and savior received as his gift to you that inheritance that promise of forgiveness of sin and eternal life in Him. And this morning, we want to encourage you that you would make this the moment, that you would call on Jesus. And so, in this moment that I'm describing, this time of response, this time of invitation, we'll sing a song together. We'll stand and sing a song. The name of the song we're going to sing is Jesus Messiah. The word Messiah, you've probably heard that word before. It's just from a Hebrew word. It's a translation, a transliteration of a, of a word meaning the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus, the chosen one. God's chosen plan. And there's a point in the song where we sing the line All our hope is in you. All our hope is in you. All the glory to you, God, the light of the world. Today, if you're ready to make Jesus your hope, your salvation, And even as we sing those words, we would encourage you, you would come forward. Our staff will be here at the front, and we would love nothing more than to pray with you and and, and counsel you through the decision to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want to invite you now to join me in a moment of prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, that this would be a moment of simple reflection as we prepare our hearts to respond to God's word this morning. Lord, we thank you that in Jesus we have salvation. We thank you, Lord, that you have given to us freely what we could never hope to earn on our own. By our own merit of our own doing, we know there is no way that we would be forgiven of our sin. And yet, when we place our faith in you, when we trust in you, Jesus, we recognize that our sins are forgiven and we are set free. And so now as we, as we trust in you, as we look to you, we pray that you would move. Lord, I pray specifically that if there's anyone here this morning or anyone perhaps who is listening or watching this morning that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day that they would trust you. Today might be the day that they turn to you as their Savior. Receiving as your free gift this rich mercy. Salvation is ours today, Lord. We, we believe this and we claim this truth as a promise given to bring us hope. In the name of Jesus, we pray.